right. Good morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater podcast number 71, I think it is. 71. Um, yeah, Yay. 71. So today we're going to do a review of the year 2022. This is going to be our official best of 2022, or rather, you know, just our favorite things, right? Like, I don't know, you, you can't really say anything was objectively the best, but uh, yeah. So we're just going to be talking about our favorite, you know, games or even shows, movies, comics, uh, whatever really piqued your interest. And uh, this is just going to be the most chill, like, best of... Uh, session you'll 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 ever come across it'll be very relaxed yeah yeah okay yeah. Uh, but first let's do a quick round of introductions so um yeah i'm your host uh, richmond um, i'm one of the founders of art eater i uh, got a background in uh, art and animation and i run a game studio called bidag uh, make games for a living do a lot of uh, art and animation outsourcing as well and uh, yeah so that's that's the background i'm coming from when i talk about you know games and animation and all this fun stuff Hey, I'm Sean. I am often here, sometimes not. I edit the podcast. I'm a, a UI designer or UX director. Uh, spent a lot of my career on various uh, mobile games, but not just mobile. Uh, all other types of games. Uh, worked with Richmond way back in the day on games. Uh, I also am ex-Blizzard Entertainment. Worked there for five years, and then now I lead design teams at NZXT, or PC gaming manufacturer, uh, designer, and whatnot. So now I get to now I have the excuse for my job to play all games everywhere instead of just Blizzard. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's where I'm I'm coming from the UI UX logo branding design side. Yeah, what's up, everybody? It's Adam once again. Pleased to be here. It's your favorite game level designer, pixelized, and international taekwondo fighter. It's always great to be back here once again with the crew. And yeah, I'm just super hyped for this episode. It's gonna be a banger. I've just been, as always, just uh, doing whatever it is that I do in life, just making sure that I'm having fun, enjoying myself, like making some decent strides with some other projects, but also at the same time, you know, keeping it grounded with my friends, family, and girlfriend, just like living life, staying cool, and delivering straight to you live and direct for the Art Eater podcast. First of the year, 2023, we're going to be talking about our fave things, but I'll let Richard hand that off. Let's go. All right. So, so happy to be here with you, you guys. All right. So... Yeah. Let's go. What a year. Uh, we, we were just briefly chatting right before this recording. Like, uh, so many games came out this year. Like, so many that we were like, oh, like, <laughs> was that this year? Like, it feels like it was like two years ago, you know? I do uh, feel like it's a, yeah. a lot of, a lot of, a lot, like a huge deluge of indie titles and other ones. I, I almost feel like um, what we, we considered like large AAA games are kind of saving up for 2023, almost hmm. like, or a lot of them either like slowed down development in the bulk of the pandemic in, in pandemic part one. Um, mm -hmm. So you didn't see actually a whole lot of major games. And I actually think that means that like, it's a, uh, um, there's, there's like the two block, but two or three blockbusters withstanding. And then there's like a whole awesome amount of like large Indian double a titles. The uh, trip. Would you say double a or you see it? Yeah, I guess you would say it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so double a indie titles, I think were pretty, pretty prevalent i i would say that that was sort of the what, one of the big themes of the year right sort of the, this return of double a because that, that was something uh, even on this podcast we've been lamenting for a while right like mm -hmm. sort of it, it seemed like for the longest time you know for the last 10 years like you either have 
big AAA releases, you know, that cost like $80 million to make, take like over five years. Uh, or you have like really intimate little indie projects, but not not much like in between. You, and then, you know, um, yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, if, if, if you'll indulge me, this is like a pseudo tangent already before we talk about anything. It reminds me <laughs> yeah. of, uh, I'm, uh, I'm blanking on, on the name of it, but I was watching a, a video essay. I've seen a couple actually. Uh, YouTube video essays that kind of touch on this that was uh, um, talking a little bit about the death of the mid-budget film and I think it's related um, uh. Um, I, I'll, I'll end up probably sharing it on Twitter or whatever the video is but they were actually talking about how it was in reference to the, the movie Knives Out um, and they were talking about how it, it had the potential to revive a, a portion of the movie industry that really has gone away. And I think you'll see where the, well, uh, I think there's a parallel to be had here, which is basically what it was saying is, is that nowadays there, the movie industry is kind of separated into these massive extremes. Like there's either the blockbuster hundred million dollar, like it has to blow off the doors. Like it's gotta be the Marvel top gun Maverick, whatever. It's gotta do ridiculous billion dollar numbers and then there's these like indie auteur films that win awards and are very like quiet and low budget um he said but like it it used to be especially in the 90s that there was there was a lot of room in in theaters for this like what was characteristically called like a mid-budget film that are like if you look at like film budgets it's like more like 30 to 40 million dollars which is not a not a big film budget um and you're basically saying that like the way that profit and incentives work in the industry has really created this extreme. And he, he was also suggesting that like with with Knives Out as an example that uh, it, it had the potential to bring us back to that time because Knives Out is a, a really fun, uh, really creatively done film, but its budget's only like thirty five million dollars. And he was saying that a lot of the mid-tier movies have really gone into streaming like shows and stuff. He said, so what used to be a $30 million flick that had some kind of fun, uh, you know, interesting stuff that they would play with is now kind of gets gets done as like a show um, or gets released on streaming and it's not quite the same thing. Um, So to pull it back to to gaming, like what what you were just talking about, Richmond, kind of triggered me remembering like I, I feel like maybe a similar thing is happening in the game industry to some degree. <clears throat> which is like when we talk about a triple a title it used to mean that the that the a's in terms of referring to game studios uh tended to be more of a moniker like you were you you were talking about money but you were also talking about quality and and i think that nowadays it's really become uh more of a shorthand for triple a means that they had a massive budget it, it doesn't and it means that they're going for like cinematics generally speaking has like actors and stuff pulled in like like the, there's names you're gonna know um and then like the idea you know, full voice acting for everything yeah, right yeah motion capture all the the whatever it's very cinematic but triple a really tends to mean that they spent like you know 80 million or 100 million dollars on the game right. which yeah yeah sorry I, I i said 80 million that that was a lot during like the ps2 ps3 era now these games cost like half a billion dollars some yeah of yeah and that's why it reminded yeah. me of the the movie industry thing and i think it's the yeah. same thing like an indie game can be made by like i mean Star, stardew valley was made by one person at least when it first came out a lot of the games yep. we'll probably be talking about today are made by teams of five to ten people, um, mm-hmm. and I and and I think like even even though I think we're we're probably not going to talk much about it, 
Um, one of the, the games that I would consider a blockbuster of this year, one of the three, Elden Ring, for the bulk of their existence, FromSoft, in my mind, has been a double-A studio. Um, oh, yeah. Which, which is an interesting designation for a lot of studios because, like, there are a ton of, at least all the games on my, almost all the games on my list, I would characterize as uh, either indie or double-A, where, like, there is definitely a a space now for, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, this is my perception, but... I feel like there are a bulk of people that are kind of tired of AAA games. Not not because like they they don't want a good AAA game. Like obviously people love games like God of War, Ragnarok, whatever. But also uh, the reason I bring this up first because we're probably not really going to talk about it is because one of the problems that's come up, and this is the same thing that um, this guy that I I feel really bad. I'll, I'll remember his name and credit him later. Uh, that was talking about with the movies is it's the same problem that happened with God of War Ragnarok, which is the reason that they didn't make a trilogy out of the God of War uh, Norse theory is because it takes five years to make that game. And they were like, we don't want it to take 15 years for someone to to, to complete the story arc. That, so they had to shove two games worth of storytelling into one game. So it just it takes so much money and time. Um, and on top of that, like nowadays, most like air quotes, triple A games tend to come out pretty buggy. I mean, this was, I don't know if you, this is one of the things where I didn't remember that cyberpunk 2077 came out this year uh, or sorry, 2022, yeah. it came out in 2022. It's 2023 now. And no that was way. a game that was hyped all to hell and hell and back. That, and that was a, a 2022 game. Yeah. It came Wait, out in, it, it came out in February. I thought it was 21. I, I guess, was, okay, uh, so, so to be fair, I, I guess technically it came out in, like, December of 2021. Um, maybe a lot of people, like, didn't start reviewing no, 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 it until... It came out in December 2020. Yeah, you're one year off. Yeah. Which, one yeah. am I, which one am I thinking of? I might be thinking of something else. Um, well, either way, it's still it's a good example. Fun. It's still a good example of something that was hyped up to all hell and back because of a trip. it's a AAA studio and whatever. And then when it came out, it was a disaster, right, from a... From, and I feel like half of the reviews I watch nowadays uh, that are AAA related, the reviewer has to talk about how um, it's super buggy, it's not ready, it may not run on PC properly. So I don't know. I just kind of going back to like I, I think that that's caused a lot of um, a lot of attrition, not attrition, but like a lot of just kind of people feeling like they want smaller tighter experiences that are going to deliver their value on day one i'm sure we could all get into like how a lot of AAA studios maybe this year we can we can talk briefly about uh how diablo immortal uh even though i worked on that game and i am proud of the the gameplay itself uh really showed how you can destroy a good game with a, a bad monetization model um like they mm -hmm. they really did the best version of that that you could see you, you know they they really wanted to make sure that there was like a, a encyclopedic like dictionary definition of how do you ruin a good game with a bad monetization model, but it goes back to like that's because it comes from a AAA studio. And also, I can mm -hmm. tell you from experience that the budget on Diablo Immortal, despite it being a mobile game, is that of a AAA game. Huh. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's uh, <laughs> so just just to continue on this tangent. Um, like mobile has seen a big sea change with uh, the success of Genshin Impact, uh, essentially like a AAA game free to play on you know mobile and console. So um, yeah, I, I've heard from just friends uh, in the industry at, at, at companies that you've heard of. You know, I, I won't name them, but like Genshin was a real big disruptor because they were like, man, like they, that game really raised the bar for what people expected from. 
uh, a mobile game. It just kind of totally shattered the barrier. But it used to be like, okay, well, you know, mobile games are simple, right? Console games are hardcore, but that that's a pretty like hardcore involved game. Um, and yet they they made it work. They made the free to play model work. It's you know fully voice acted. It's beautiful, open world, and um, yeah, yeah. I think you're just going to see these uh, distinctions kind of uh, really blur. And I think that's also kind of why uh, double double A games are coming back is that um, with the uh, tools that we have now, with you know uh, Unity, with Unreal, uh, all sorts of uh, you know. Uh, just resources out there to learn how to do stuff. It's um, gotten easier than ever to produce like more uh, uh, just these really impressive looking games. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so so even like like uh, like Plague's Tale uh, Requiem that came out this yeah. year. Yep. Um, I think th that you wouldn't consider that a triple A game, right? I don't budget wise. Uh, no, that's I think that's squarely in the double A. That's actually yeah. on my list of games that um, I I didn't really play the first one for whatever yeah. reason it just didn't it had nothing to do with the game i just didn't wasn't interested but i i decided to give this one a chance but yeah no i i would say that uh the developer like uh osobo i mean they're definitely a double a studio they're, they're like yeah, what FromSoft was 10 years ago yeah yeah and it's a really graphically impressive game I, I, you know it's it looks uh just triple a right as good as any triple a game from uh, just any any clip of the game so so yeah the line is blurring yeah, yeah I, I think it's one of those ones where there's like little small things that you can kind of see where they didn't have twenty million dollars to throw at like a voice actor. Or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but in terms of like how the game looks, I mean, you're getting, and, and I mean, we right. can also kind of probably talk a little bit about a lot of the the Souls like uh, inspired games that have been coming out that I all I I would can I would characterize almost all of those as double A titles. Um, mm. uh, I'm blanking on. Um, is it Steel Rising, the one from the French studio? Right. Uh, is that is that correct? I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but the one with the the I robot. Think so. Um, as an example, or like looking at games like um, even though they're doing a remake of like you know ones like Lords of the Fallen, and there's another one that oh, takes yes, place uh, where you where you play a plague doctor that I'm also blanking on the name that looks is is pretty fun. Um, oh, is that being developed currently? That's like Crow, like Crow Swan, I think. Um, I don't know. I'd have to see it, but I mean, the, the point being is that like, it's a, it's definitely like a souls, like, uh, action adventure game, but it, it has the same level of quality deliverance as like Plague Tale Requiem. Although I will say oh, yeah. that, um, it's notable that like Plague Tale as an existent, as an, an example, Requiem versus like Innocence, the first one. I mean, if you, you might think that they look similar, but if you side by side them, or if you look at them, I mean, they made massive jumps in, uh, in quality in terms of their, their ability to, to execute the game, but there's, I would still say they're squarely a double A, double A studio. Mm, yeah. The budget's definitely double A. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's, uh, let's get into the actual games, right? Like what, what were uh, some of the favorite, favorite games that you guys played uh, this year? Um, okay. So I just want to go real quickly just to sort of mention this, cause it's kind of funny, but like, it's not of this year specifically, but like one thing that I heavily, heavily got into like this year. Well, there's, there's a few, but like one of them was um Divinity, like Original Sin two. Like I had like a really fun time like playing this, and like this is <laughs> nice. again like this. This okay. came out like a little yeah. This, this one came out like a little bit ago, but like it's still like one of the. It's one of the games that sort of came out of like a left field for me. So I've been playing recently or most recently with uh, with my girlfriend Rose, uh, and it's just been such a nice 
time. Like I've uh, had AJ. Are off. you typically oh, into D and D and stuff like that? Um. Okay. This is this is funny. So okay. Uh, prior to meeting her, like no, but she is um absolutely amazing. Shout out to her and all the work she does over at like R and W. You should all check that out. It's to R and W dot net. It's just a really really good, uh, excellent, excellent, excellent place for anyone who's interested in D and D or D and D related. Like not just like merch, but like everything from like character sheets to all sorts of stuff. Just to plug her a little bit, but yeah, like so I'm at her. She's really interested not in D and D, but also just stuff like for work and stuff. So I had never in my life like played not even like a game of D and D before. Like I knew what it was. I'd heard about it, but just like hadn't really gone into it but like this game is in essence like it's like playing D just like in a video game like it's just really yeah. really cool like it's yep. so 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 much fun interest especially in the fact that like not only do you get to like customize obviously the character that you're making and stuff like that but like everything from like how it is you move around using like ap like action points like how it is that you you know cast certain spells the skills that you've got like the sort of like dialogue options and trees through which you can take certain characters through like i really have had like just such a good time playing it it's just been it's just, it's been really really fun like playing um i've we, we we have four characters but like two characters each that's our sort of like little party that we're walking around the world with and like i play as um two lizards like one of them is called like the red prince who is this uh regal but also quite like snotty and haughty at first like uh i guess just a bit a bit of a mean type guy but in essence like he is somebody who's very confident and arrogant and brimming with like knowledge about certain different aspects and areas of life but also is a bit like snide and snarky and then i played like another um, lizard as well i just like lizards i think they're cool i played another lizard mm-hmm. who's like a soldier guy and like that was a kind of like a custom dude that i made and then she played this elf person and then also like a small like dwarf who was like our kind of at first healer but changed into being like a rogue but yeah that's what it's one of the most cool things about the game you get to sort of like shift your skill sets and moves and items and just as you would in many different rpgs but it just has its own sort of different feel to it and different vibe to it that i've just really come to enjoy it just feels so compact and like tightly woven and tightly knit like you can do so many different and interesting things regarding how it is that you approach not just fights but the act of like fighting itself like just for example um there's one move called like reactive shot where it's like you set down a small sort of circle around enemies or just on the battlefield and then if anyone moves throughout that circle like they get shot by like a ranger character who is the red prince for me he was set up as a ranger so in essence what we would do early on we had like the ability to teleport people as well so like i would cast that reactive shot move and it would just have a circle that's glowing in yellow on the ground and then like if an enemy kind of like ran away from us or ran past us like i would just would have them teleport that enemy like into the circle and they get shot like for extra damage like there are just like lots of little things that kind of like add on and add on and add on like the mechanics and like the gameplay sort of like systems like they're so tightly knit and they're woven in ways that are really quite interesting they have lots of different areas where the gameplay can feel so emergent most mostly just knowing that like if someone you know steps on oil you can set that oil on fire or you can like electrify yeah. the oil or turn it into water like there's a the sky's the limit and it just feels great that's a, one of the most fun games that i played this past year yeah well, to relate it to 2022, not just that you played it, but uh, the studio that makes that Larian, they're working on uh, Baldur's Gate 3, which is basically the same engine. And even though it's it's slated to come out this year, I mean, it's been an early access for most of 2022. And uh, I played a couple couple builds of it and stuff. And uh, it's 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 like Divinity Original uh, 2 Original Sin, but they, they, yeah. they've clearly polished it quite a bit more. So, yeah. yeah. I, I heard the uh, the the demo that they released 
Like it was like 60 hours long. Like it's it's longer than like a lot of full games. Just people were enjoying it so much, you know. Yeah, oh, and they've actually changed it quite a bit. Like it's one of those those games where you know, sometimes like early early access is like an excuse to just put out a game too early, but you know, Baldur's Gate 3, they've already like I don't even think the original demo is even close to what the game looks like now, but um mm. But yeah, that style of like creative turn-based tactical combat, um, something that, that uh, Larian has specifically really been polishing quite a bit. I don't know if you can really quite get that experience with any other any other game right now. Mm. At least the level of, the level of detail customization, uh, the fact that they they integrate so many different types of skills and combinations as well as like their yes. their their levels also have really good verticality and that plays yeah. into your strategy it's just like the amount of details and the amount of uh variables that you're available to you in combat basically m- means that you you're never going to have the same encounter twice it's great yeah yeah i love how it uh, rewards curiosity right which is a big part of the appeal of D&D right because for the longest time right D&D is all about being flexible playing off of each other and you know it's up to the DM to really make a call like oh can we do that or not right like yep. like a game you have to plan everything ahead of time right? everything has to be coded and then so for uh for them to create that that experience in a video game that means they just had to create so much content they had to sort of account for like yeah, what are all the things people want to do and you know what are some interesting ways they can mix stuff up like you know like like they were saying just stuff with like the oil like just spreading oil on the ground suddenly like you, you could light it you can channel electricity through it like like other games don't do stuff like that right that's yeah. i mean not some of them do but like it's very rare like that's just one small example or, or just simply being able to push someone right yeah you know? I- I, uh, when we were talking about the D&D aspect, one thing that doesn't sound like would be fun, but I actually really like about those games is because like underneath it all, it's still treating it like a D&D table where you, you're basically rolling dice for for initiative or for scores and stuff. I've actually watched a few people playing uh, Divinity where like they've been doing really well and they, they just like got a bunch of shitty rolls. And like it ended up ended with them like missing different things entirely, and it completely changed their strategy because like it went really poorly. <laughs> like it was <laughs> it was like so they had a whole situation where they almost lost, or in some cases they did. But I don't know. I, I actually really liked that level of unpredictability where yeah. you can plan out your your strategy, but it's not one hundred percent. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Likely to happen. Sometimes and- moves will miss, and sometimes things will just not quite like go exactly as you want. Even for example, like one thing that I like, especially with respect to playing like a ranger character, is the fact that like you have different, obviously different like um, levels of like verticality within like the areas that you find yourself. So like if you climb up quite high, you can end up doing a little bit of like extra damage if you're higher up, or you do a bit less damage if you're lower down. But just like even finding ways to sort of like boost character like attributes and values for example you have like action points and like talent points and all these different types of points that you can that you can like give to your characters and like boost and buff them to make sure that like the likelihood of things you know going your going in your favor is like it's changed in a way that benefits you for example like i had one sort of buff on one of my characters that meant like even if somebody had a type of armor that was kind of gonna be reflecting or like just stopping one of the status effects i wanted to do to them like my all of my moves now from as long from as long as i have that uh, upgrade or as long as i have that talent or skill like 
that is just not in effect anymore. So like it just would mean that other enemies' armor would just be like useless to some moves of mine. Like just being able to sort of like calculate different things like that and make them useful for yourself in different scenarios. It's just it's a really, really fun part of the game. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but Todd say that. Fun. Yeah. I, I just want to say, Sean, what what you said about like screwing up your role, right? And just get just getting a bad role. Like that's such a big part of D D. And um, the fact that they replicated that in games, that's actually increasingly rare. I think what a lot of people don't know is games generally tend, especially single player or co-op games, they tend to cheat things in the favor of the player, right? So like if I'm playing Gears Tactics and it tells me like, oh, you have an 80% chance of hitting, it'll hit 100% of the time, pretty much. (laughs) There's not going to be two out of 10 times where I miss. I, I might miss like one out of 40 times. Uh, because they know like people don't want to get frustrated but but the fun of uh you know stuff like divinity baldur's gate is um it's weirdly fair it is actually what it says and and that means you know even if the odds are in your favor you might miss twice in a row because sometimes you just have bad luck and then you got to change your strategy and that's, I, um, that's a whole other it's actually um the reason i i mentioned that part of it is it's actually a game that i watch a, a lot of streamers doing let's plays because it's very it's very fun to watch um and and like i've literally seen a streamer being like going into a a match has a whole plan generally speaking is pretty overpowered for the encounter um and was like oh i got this gg easy and then uh basically like the enemy rolls like a natural 20 20 and just kills his (laughs) tank so now it's like now he's all of a sudden like oh my tank's just dead like in one shot and then all of a sudden his entire strategy had to change um and he had to get very creative and it so it would have i think on its face it might sound like oh well that sounds unfair like it's not skill based to to just have but but i think to your point richmond is when it's fair the the rng affects you and the enemy at the same level so it balances that there is a a skill base to it and i I, it also (laughs) is what contributes to the fact that um you know, some games like especially speedrunners and and whatnot will, or 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 even like when you look at um, some of the encounters in like Elden Ring that the the this is like kind of a kind of a cultural thing anyway. Like the the dude in uh, Elden Ring that got so good at the Millennia boss that he was just helping other people like do it for them. Like it, it gets to the point where like it's fun at first for people because the the encounter is so challenging, but it is at the end of the day a pattern, right? Um, so over time, you can you can get to the point where you can just consistently hit the pattern, and it's no longer challenging for you. But what I like I said, what I like about D and D style games that rely on rolls and stuff is that there's always that element that it's not gonna be the same consistent encounter because uh, the game just has a variable that that's likely to change, and you yeah, have it's to, luck based. Yeah, you have to problem solve around that, which makes it far yeah. more fun. But the skill is in how you react, you know, when when stuff doesn't go your way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's good. That's gonna kind of like. Oh uh, no, I won't take two turns. But that, that reminds me of another game that I will mention soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll I'll mention an unexpected game for me, yeah. and I think uh, I I think it did get some attention. Uh, but I still want to mention it because it was one that it's actually a mobile game. Which is surprising because I like oh, as much hmm. as I'm like all about mobile and a lot of my careers in mobile. I don't go out of my, I, like I don't sit on my couch and play a lot of mobile games. But I actually have been playing this game like sitting on my couch and whatever is uh, Marvel Snap. Um, and I oh, I've heard great things about don't that even one. And, and just so y- y'all are aware, so Marvel Snap is is a card based game, 
It is based on Marvel characters, but it's made by a, a studio called Second Dinner, which is the remnants of the original Hearthstone team. So it's a lot of people that left ah, Blizzard, front, like literally the, like talk about Ben Bro, uh, the game director, the original game designer, and whatever. So they they must be like maybe twenty thirty people, um, and I think they're bankrolled by Tencent or something like that. I, I forget who, but uh, someone spicy like that, some big. Glummer. but but either way they were given basically like they're, they're kind of like respawn at this point they were just give, given carte blanche to do whatever they want w- with the marvel license and i was kind of reticent to try it because like um i haven't really enjoyed collectible card games for a while uh, i i had a, a stint of course when i was a blizzard when i played a lot of hearthstone but hearthstone's really you know it's it's become kind of its own thing so and I, it was also a mobile game and i was like whatever it doesn't look that great it's got kind of the I don't know, some somewhat of like the chibi style heroes and whatever. So I, I didn't really feel like playing it because of the Marvel thing, but I, I I forgot why. But for some reason, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this game a chance. <laughs> Install it, play it, whatever. And I, I have to say it's actually very fun and it's very refreshing. Uh, it's definitely still got a lot of the what you would typically associate with like mobile game tropes where you're unlocking things and whatever. But they, they do, of course, the monetization model doesn't feel problematic or predatory and the games are quite fast um but the reason this this actually relates to the conversation we're talking about is one of the things that really always pushed me away from playing games like magic the gathering the um the digital one and hearthstone is that eventually it, it became predictable like you had to have this deck you had to know this meta you had to do this thing to win and it wasn't fun anymore um because there wasn't really that much strategy to it it was it was just like if you didn't have the right configuration of things you wouldn't you weren't set up to win and marvel snap actually solves that problem by using um effectively this idea of battlegrounds and locations so the games are very fast which is good for mobile so like a hearthstone game can still take like 20 minutes um marvel snap i i think i was sitting on the couch playing it and you can play five games in 20 minutes like they they take they're 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 only six rounds, which goes by very quickly. Um, but but basically, like, um, and obviously they actually do make it feel really good. Like the animation uh, around the cards and the, the sound effects actually do make it feel kind of nice. But ultimately, okay. it's because the middle of the battlegrounds, uh, you basically have three slots that you play into uh, on the battlegrounds. And almost all of your cards have some sort of reactive modifier which I think is really cool. Like, so for instance, Hearthstone has a lot of like, yeah, if your opponent plays a card plus one or whatever, but what Marvel snap does is has a lot of like, okay, if, if you're, if, if X card is in this sector of the one of three sectors, then it gives you plus one to all whatever. Or, um, if you place like this card, uh, in this sector, then it gives plus one to uh, both adjacent sectors. And then in the middle, each sector is a location from Marvel so it might be like, oh, this is the Triskelion. Everybody uh, gets one point taken away or whatever. So there's a modifier. And then some of them will even be like, oh, it's the danger room. And this is going to change every three turns, every every two turns or something. Um, so that element alone and the fact that it's separated into the three portions of the board. And basically the way that you win at, at the end of the six rounds is you have to have a higher power score in two of the three sectors um, in order to win. So there's a lot of strategy in like faking your opponent out like oh i'm gonna put all of my effort into taking this one sector or whatever but then like as you get later in the game and you get like higher amounts of energy you'll get cards like the hulk which 
you know, delivers like 16 points or something like that. So you can like fake people out and stuff like that. Like you can put all of your attention in one area and then you can like drop a powerful card in the other one, or you can like plan ahead of time. Like I, if, if I recall correctly, like uh, Iron Man has a modifier where after three turns, he doubles the, the danger. So like you can like fake him out with using all of your smaller cards in one area. And then you can kind of drop like an Iron Man Hulk combo and it'll do a Hulk buster <laughs> and it'll basically like mm. normally take over one. But then you could also, because the, the card isn't shown when you play it. So you both play cards and then they're flipped over. So you can do actually pretty cool things where I've actually done that Hulk buster thing. And then I forget the name, which character it was, but I think it might've been like a Scarlet Witch card where it actually reflected that to a different um, sector. So I actually thought I had one up someone and then they one upped me. And it was a lot of that was actually very fun for me. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is really cool because like, doesn't matter how long I've been playing and how good my deck is. It matters how I use them within the battlefield and how there's actually a lot of interplay between trying to figure out what your opponent's going to do in each section. And it just isn't quite as stale as like the Hearthstone Magic the Gathering model. So mm. I, I, I'm just, I was shocked by how much I enjoyed it. Mm. Nice. Very cool. That's awesome. What about you, Richmond? Oh, man. Um, so I'm, I'm super behind on games. Um, like, <laughs> I, there's games I've been meaning to play stretching back for years. So, like, to give you an idea of how far behind I am, like, uh, I, I haven't even played Elden Ring yet. And I'm, I'm, I was, I'm super excited for that game. Just got a new PC. Uh, you know, nice. from so so once they get get properly set up, um, uh, and NZXT PC by the way, uh, yeah, oh, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there were lots of games I was excited for this year, like like Elden Ring, you know, the Tactics Ogre remake, the Live Alive remake, Triangle Strategy. Doesn't it feel like that game came out like two years ago? Such a long year. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, lots of games I've been meaning to play, like uh, uh, Signalus, you know? Um, oh, I bought Bayonetta. that. I that yet, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but actually, uh, this year, rather than uh, gaming, I've been catching up on, on movies and shows. And oh, uh, nice. there's there's one show in particular that uh, really stood out to me. This is, it, it just, the, you know, one of those shows where a couple episodes in, you're like, this is... This might be like one of my favorite things ever. And then by the time it ends, you're like, yeah, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. So the show I'm thinking of is uh, Ranking of Kings, uh, you know, oh a.k.a. Osama Ranking. Yeah, yeah that is. Uh, so it's a uh, anime. Technically, it came out in 2021, but it concluded in 2022. So I, I yeah. think it counts. <laughs> but um it is such a good show. So it is. Uh, it's based on a comic, um, and it, it's. It is. Uh, uh, gosh, give me one second. It's based on a comic drawn by uh, Sosuke, uh, Sosuke Toka. Toka. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it was adapted, you know, into a show and in, in uh, 2021 uh, by by Wit uh, Studio, um, and. It's just so good. Uh, where to start? Um, it's essentially like just a really good fairy tale, and, and I don't mean like like a modern fairy tale or a subversion of fairy tales. It's actually just it works really well as like a classic, classic iconic 
uh, fairy tale. It's it's a fantasy setting. Uh, the premise of it is that um, in this world, it's it's a medieval fantasy world, very much like your traditional medieval kind of European inspired setting. You know, stone castles. There's like you know big uh, monsters and people and 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 things that look like orcs and and hydras and stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah. Sorts, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, within this world, uh, there's you know every kingdom has a king, um, uh, but then you find out like uh, a lot of it, it, it's there's actually a system. There's there's a there's this uh, governing body. Well, uh, there's rather um, a governing institution that ranks the kings. So there's actually literally a ranking of kings, and all of the kings in the world they aspire to climb that ranking. Um, and then whoever uh, gets the P number one, um, they get access to this treasure room full of like legendary treasures. So so everyone wants to be a number one, right? And then the main character is uh, this adorable little guy named Boji. And uh, his father is one of the greatest kings. His father is a giant. He's literally a giant. He's a massive, you know, like a, not even human. He's a different species. He's a giant dude, one of the, literally the strongest man in the world. Uh, but poor little Boji was born. Um, uh, he's 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 deaf, and and mute, and uh, and he's he's little. Yeah. He's he's very little. He's smaller than a person. And he's just so like little and gentle. He has no strength. Like he, he can't. He can barely hurt a fly. Um, but you know, he he aspires to be a great king uh, like his father. And um, yeah, that's that's the premise. Uh, I, I don't want to give away too much, but um, it's just so well written. Um, the characters are just so like interesting. Um, they have so much like depth to them. Uh, and then um, one of the things that actually really stood out to me, uh, just from a craft perspective about it, so so aside to like it, it, it's a beautiful series, it's beautifully written, a really engaging story, it's nicely animated. But um, uh, from a technical perspective, it was also really impressive to me. Not not because the animation's like super complex, you know, it's not like Chainsaw Man or One Punch Man where it's like, oh my god, like it's like a feature film every episode. It's it's very simple, but it has really good pre-production. Yeah. Meaning uh, it's like super well storyboarded. And uh, what I mean by that is um, it's fun to watch. Like even if characters are just talking, it's really fun to watch. It's still very visual. It's not flashy, but like there's just enough character animation. There, you know, the character acting is really good. And um, it has a really good sense of space. Uh, like, uh, it, you know, out of like compared to animation or live action, um, whoever storyboarded and did the pre-production, like there's always a really good sense of like where the characters are in the environment and in relation to each other. And I, I know this sounds weird. It sounds like kind of like an obtuse thing to focus on, but it makes it really fun to watch somehow. Like it's just always interesting and it makes you feel like it, it kind of makes you feel like you're there without usually when people say like, oh, I feel like I'm there. It's like, cause it's really Im impressive. You know, it's like, like you're on the planet Pandora, right? It's some super high budget movie, but in this, it's just really smartly done. And then you just kind of, it, it makes you feel there like in an intimate way, you know? And um, gosh, it's so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, so Adam, I, I take it you've, you've seen it? 
I have indeed. It was fantastic. Yeah, I got uh, recommended this thanks to one of my best friends, Rochelle. Shout out for nice. your brother. But yeah, like, this was awesome. I had such a fun time watching it. Boji is such a good boy. He's such an endearing, yes. oh, such a kind, caring character. And like, I must say this as well. One thing which I think has been really quite intriguing, we've always seen this in different types of sort of like show and protagonists in different ways. But the past three to four, maybe five, even six-ish years, to me, it's been the sort of like the resurgence or sort of like just the popularization of the empathy over strength character, over like a brute yes. force character. Like we've seen this in Midoriya from My Hero Academia. We've seen this in, you know... Um, in um, Tanjiro, 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 Demon Slayer. Yeah. I was just, yeah, I was just saying, thinking of him. And then we see this in Boji now, but we've seen this multiple times where it's like they put this empathy first approach in terms of like how it is that they deal with scenarios and situations. It's not like I'm gonna beat this person up as the first inclination. It's like, wait why does this person want to do this to me or why do they feel bad or how can i help them specifically and like not to say that like no other protagonist has ever felt that way we've seen this in luffy mm-hmm. we've seen this in other characters before yeah but yeah. like it's just a different kind of there's a different vibe there's a different energy as to how it is that these people are faced with these problems and how it is that they react to and deal with them i think it's just really intriguing i think it's nice that we've seen another character this way but also at the same time I think that this show specifically, especially in terms of like character design too, like it plays so much with shape and with form and yeah. with the characters' faces being such clear indications of how it is that the show wants us to view them. You know, characters with sort of like quite short and stout angular features might be a bit curt and cruel and mean at first, but then, you know, we see more of like their eyes or more of the a softening of some of their features and then, then they become a bit kinder. And then, you know, it's like, so for example, we see we're introduced to a queen uh, healing and she She's quite, you know, a bit, you know, cold and a bit like cruel at first, it, it might seem. But then we see that she opens up a bit later on. I'm not going to spoil anything, but like we see a character just so interestingly juxtaposed. And I think that's quite yeah. a cool thing to do. I think that this show has a lot of redeeming qualities, but most strong or most striking of those to me is the fact that its emotional depth and its ability to play with like preconceived notions is quite well formed i'd say that it's one of the shows that i was most entertained by strictly by the fact that you know i just like to as you said watch the characters move watch them talk i just put in a reddit post just earlier of someone comparing the original sort of like drawn man- uh, sort of like manga like stills to like the actual animated like versions of like different events and like one of them was two characters fighting one who uses a spear one who uses a sword i forget both their names right now but like there's a moment where there are these two men and they cross each other's path on a lone road you know very kind of like old style one of us both of us arrive one of us leaves type situation and like their encounter with, e- with each other is just so kinetic and dynamic and there are some of the fight scenes within this show despite us talking about its emotional depth and the fact that it can be so touching like some of the kinetic fights in here are like explosions you know like they're like so oh, yeah. in your face and they're so well drawn out and well thought out one of the moments that i saw again was when a, a guard of, uh, of a certain character has to fight three sort of like demonic enemies at once and he's just fighting them off like one by one by one by one and then all together then one by one by one again and it's like you have your heart in your mouth when you're watching it you know you're on the edge of your seat and yeah. it's just such a it's such a sort of like free-for-all friend 
frenzy, but then other fights can be so slow, methodical, and calculated, and some fights end with like one big slash, you know, and it's just like, there, there are lots of, there's just so much variety within this show, and just like, wait, if you showed somebody like a still of just like Boji smiling next to like a tree, or just like sitting out looking like, you know, just full of sort of this awe that he always just looks at everything with, I, I think you wouldn't necessarily think of it as a particularly um, violent or kinetic or dynamic show per se, but like, it's just, it's just so full of everything. It, it reminds me of a of a well cooked meal. You know, it's it's full of all mm. of the different types of flavors, and it makes you feel quite full at the end. It's it's great. Yeah. Ah, that's such a good metaphor. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, Sean, you, have, oh, good. I was gonna say the one you posted, AJ. It's also uh, it's a fight scene that has no dialogue, <laughs> and yeah. and yet you understand everything that happens between the characters. Absolutely. I didn't um, even notice that. Yeah. It's like by the time they're actually clashing, there's there's nothing left to say, right? They they understand each other really well, and and they speak through their actions. Yeah, it's um it's not the flashiest series, but like like the every fight in this like is has you on the edge of your seat because it's really significant. Like you understand the emotional stakes, and then you also know enough about the characters that you can kind of see like where their strategy is. Like like you said, like it, it's there's so much dimension to it. It's so fun to. Yeah. I um I haven't I haven't I was not aware of the show um to be honest but uh, I just looked up a few clips while we were talking about it and now I'm going to seek it out and watch it uh, but oh, AJ yeah, is right it. there's okay. uh, my immediate my immediate um perception of some of the clips I saw is that kind of what you said about like it being a well made meal it feels really well made um without and and I've watched I've already watched like a couple of fight scenes that were posted on YouTube as well. Obviously, I have no context for them, but yeah, you're, Richmond's right. Like the the motion's really easy to follow, and the sense Absolutely. of space and speed is really engaging. Um, so, like, even not knowing anything about the characters that I'm watching, uh, you're immediately glued to the screen, and it feels very, con- it feels really, really controlled. Um, Absolutely, I, I don't know how to describe yeah. that. Like, you know, some animes feel like there's just like a lot of lines everywhere, and there's a lot of cutting, like almost like they're trying to. It's not that it, it's not that it's not good, but it's not as confident. Like they're trying to cover up some of the uh, the movement. Yeah. This one yeah, feels yeah. Uh, it's it, it's like Measured, if you watch some yeah. if you watch some like modern um, blockbuster films where they're doing fight scenes where like it's hard to follow. This is the exact opposite. Everything feels it feels deft and intentional, and every move feels controlled. And like the animation and uh, visuals are not that complicated, but they're just well done enough that it's not it's not like they made it simple because it's simple if that makes sense like they they didn't do it to get out of adding detail um so it doesn't feel like simple for the sake of making it easy it feels like they have just enough modeling and just enough color in line yeah to support the the clear like intentional timing and movements that they need in order to construct the scene yeah yeah like if if i feel oh so just uh, if, if you're listening and like if you're listening, just watch it. Don't even look anything up. But if you're curious and you look up screens and you think like, oh, I don't know, it looks a bit simple. Like w- when you're watching, it's en- enthralling because there's just enough detail for you to understand everything. It, it never feels like it's lacking in, in context. I-, I would say definitely this this the-, the immediate thought was I was like, oh, when you were first talking about it, I was imagining like a record of Lotus War looking thing. And so when I looked it up, I was like, oh, it doesn't look like that. Um, oh, yeah. But like to, to your point, the way that it looks in stills is still very nice. But once you see it in motion, I think that's what what really made me go, oh, I need to watch this. Um, 
quick question uh, actually I, I don't watch as as much like new anime anymore in america w what would you say is the best service to look this up on um i believe it's on uh funimation mm. yeah uh in in the u.s so, it's yeah. on funimation yeah yep. okay because my, my default is to go to places like crunchyroll or something like that but it's always unclear. I think what it might be on both. Let me, let me let me look yeah, that up for you it, real quick. Yeah, it says it's on. Yeah, it's on Crunchyroll and the drama. Oh, it's on both. Like on on yeah. both, yeah. Oh, it's on both. Yeah, because I have I have now. a couple of yeah. TV apps for Crunchyroll, so. Nice. For just nice. such an emergency, like I, I don't know, like when I say like new anime, it's not that I don't watch anime. It's just that like I'm an old man and I only watch like old <laughs> anime that I like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, there's there's a lot of good new stuff. Um, Absolutely. You know I, what I mean? Just, like, oh, time to watch Berserk again for the fifth time. Um, <laughs> well, it's, on, you know. it's on Netflix. So you spend another, you know, spend another twelve hours within. Yeah. Actually, this is this is like the most random tangent that's not really related to anything. But like, one of the animes that I still go back to watch weirdly, and it's not particularly remarkable, uh, other than a couple things, is one that I still have on VHS. It's like the one I still have. It's called um, Rich. I don't know if you remember me watching this in college. It's called Eight Hundred One TTS Air Baths. Um, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's very much like a it's it's like a, a Tenchi Muyo style setup, like that that classic. I'm sure there's a name for it where it's like one guy and a bunch of women. Um, it's called a harem. A yes. Harem. <laughs> Although, like, it's, I don't know if this is like an element of the show, but like, he never actually dates any of them. That's that's not uh, that's not that's part of the classic, dynamic. That's what happens. Classic in it, yeah. anime harem. Yeah. Okay. Anime. So so that's the setup for Ada One TTS Airbats. But the thing that makes it really fun to watch is. The thing is, though, they're all on an air base and all of the women are like Top Gun fighter pilots. And the way that they they render the dialogue and their personalities and the fact that like there's th and they don't skip over the air combat. Like there's a lot of animation and work uh, and like they're some of the, the most well rendered like jets I've ever seen. So I don't know. I keep going back to watch it like the I, I couldn't tell you the plot if you put a gun to my head, but um <laughs> But I mean, I mean, you know, you get the plot. <laughs> it's it's, it's about vibes, man. It's yeah. about cool airplanes and and hot people hanging out. There's also like an episode where they go to to eat at this ramen shop, and like it's my favorite episode because like it, it's it, it's a lot it's a lot like um like Odin Sphere and stuff like that, where like just the Ooh. way that they treat food is so enjoyable and deliciously fun to watch and it's just like it's not complicated it's just loving you know what i mean yeah yeah so all right so hot scoop from art eater check out uh best anime of 2022 <laughs> if you can find the vhs I, I honestly i think if you like i have the vhs because i bought it at, like a hollywood video i honestly don't know if you could watch it online if you tried um, do you still have a VCR hooked up? I do actually. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna check. I, I actually have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea how you would watch the show nowadays. Um, uh, people are getting back into collecting VHS now, just because like so much of this stuff is not available like uh. anywhere anymore. Yeah, a lot of stuff is like only on VHS unless you want to spend like. Like a lot of DVDs, if they're rare, now they caught, they're very expensive. And then it's a, not on any uh, streaming sites either. So I, I posted some screenshots. Like you can look at that. Like it's 
it's it's interesting like you can see how well rendered the planes are it's like it's it's one of those things that reminds me a lot of um also watching like older gundam that i like this probably won't surprise you because it's got a very similar vibe um which is um eighth ms team it's got a very uh, similar yes. mechanical feel to it where like they don't cheat <laughs> like it's, it's also kind of like watching uh part like really good episodes of Gurren Lagan. it's like some of the stuff they do you would think they would use 3d or some other technique in order to cheat doing the animation but like the fact that they just go all in and they clearly like hand draw most of it is something about that it's just like you said the vibes of it are really impressive yeah there's a certain type of anime like okay if it's an anime about Mecha, but they're not robots. It's usually airplanes. Those are always made by people who truly, truly love aviation. Like this isn't just like a, you know a harem anime. Like whoever made this, they really wanted to animate airplanes too. So, so there's that dimension to it that makes it uh, uh, really fun. In addition to just you know the hijinks, the fun hijinks of the characters. But yeah, anyway, that's uh, I. Just, I don't seek out a lot of new modern animes, but um, uh, but definitely watch Ranking of Kings. I, I think yeah, um, yeah. I think you and Rachel will yeah. uh, both enjoy it. I, I super duper recommend it. Yeah, it's an incredible. I, I'd love incredible to. Show. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to listening? talk about it some more once. Uh, once once uh, after Sean watches it, we could do a whole episode about it we'll, we'll bookmark that down i definitely think that yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. That before. yeah i want to yeah. say so much but i don't want to spoil anything <laughs> i know it's so hard isn't yeah. it so, so is it is it is it completely ending this year oh it's a whole it's a self-contained uh season it's it's um i mean i hope they keep making more seasons but even if they never like made that. another one I, I i they they are making another season i think yes but even if they didn't like it it it, it is actually a complete story like it's yeah. not going to end on a cliffhanger. You know, it's not going to be like, Hey, tune in next time. Maybe like you, you'll have us, it has a very, very satisfying resolution. Okay. Uh, so it was definitely designed to be standalone. Uh, yeah. So it's based off of the ongoing uh, comic. Um, so uh, I, I think what's interesting about it is um, this is definitely a show that they did because they wanted to not, not because it was such like a hot property that everyone was fighting over it. It, they definitely saw something there because uh, yeah, it, it, it was a, um, I think it was originally a web first comic eventually collected yep. into the Tonka bonds, but uh, it's web first. Uh, the comic itself is also very uh, simply drawn, although, you know, very, still very expertly like composed, really good storytelling. But, but if all you care about is like detailed art, it's not really like that kind of uh, comic, right? It's more similar to, uh, you know, like, like, like one, you know, the, the writer, yeah. the original creator of One Punch Man, Mob Psycho. Um, it's more refined than that, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be as refined as like a Shonen Jump comic or something. Um, and and the guy, the, the guy that wrote, uh, that did the comic, um, so Sosuke Toka, he, he did go to art school. He is like a trained artist, but, you know, he's more of like into simple. Uh, like graphic design type stuff that's like where his strength is uh, but he loved manga but he he never really f pursued manga until like he, he was an office worker for years and years and then uh I, I think like when he turned 40 he was like you know what i gotta i gotta take a chance and so he started drawing this comic started building up a following um even when it started to be successful like he he hadn't told his parents that he quit his office job and was doing comics um and he didn't <laughs> tell them until like you know he actually had like an, a a moderate hit on his hands it was being adapted into a show um but 
yeah, like the comic is a passion project and the show very much feels like a passion project too. And um, like you were saying before, it, uh, it doesn't feel disjointed. Um, a lot of modern anime, it, it's super disjointed because uh, these studios are pushing themselves too hard. Uh, anime is actually more popular than ever globally. There's so many like avenues to watch anime, so many streaming sites, you know, and uh, so these studios are pushing themselves to the limit. And that, that's why you get these really uneven shows that like they might look really great one episode. And then within the same episode, maybe like a different studio did this part and it's just not up to par. Um, but this series, like definitely just really well planned way from pre-production, really well executed, Extremely. like not a hiccup in the whole thing. It's just, yeah. Also relating nice. it back to like games a little bit, it feels <laughs> quite genuinely like, like you're playing like an RPG. Like it really does like just like watching, yeah. it. just watching someone get stronger and stronger and stronger from like quite literally like zero oh, but, yeah. like, in a way that's yeah. so like, so endearing and you can like feel the... You can feel the effort that's being like put into like everybody's growth. Like there isn't any kind of one silver bullet or like you've been bestowed with the power of yeah. like, this now. It's like it's not like that. You can actually kind of yeah. actively watch somebody not just, you know, become stronger, but like you watch someone become more confident and you watch someone become yeah. more, you know, like closer. Did you want you want someone become close to like the version of themselves that they truly want to be? And I think that's very yeah. quite a beautiful thing, but it's also so interesting to watch someone be transformed through not just like obviously their own actions but also through the help of others around them too because like the main uh, character like yeah. he is somebody who needs and actively asks for in many ways to help you know at first despite you know his inability to speak like he even has his own methodology of communication with different characters anyway and like it's just really endearing to watch that and even learn what different things and sounds mean yourself whilst watching you kind of grow yeah not just more fond of the characters, but you grow to know and understand them on a bit deeper level, at least than I have personally, than than uh, than I have so much with like with with other shows. I would say I think that this uh this show definitely it, it hit on um some very intriguing notes for me, and I'm glad that like I got to experience it as I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's I, I, there's so much I want to ask you, especially about your insights from you know uh, be, being a Taekwondo champion. Like that, that's so relevant to the show, but. I, we, we, we got to move on, right? <laughs> we got more yeah, stuff definitely. to talk we'll about. We'll come back to this. We'll come back to this. Yeah. It probably probably needs its own episode. I'll, I'll, I'll get watching Absolutely. it so that I can contribute uh, more yeah. opinions than just like, hey, I watched it and it looks cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Can I can I hop in really quickly with just one? Like, yes, so, please. Okay. This okay. Um, since we're doing any and all, any and all media, I would like to speak about something yep. which I did believe I mentioned a while ago. But this is a film. It is a movie. It is one of the things that I watched last year that I enjoyed so 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 much. This is Decision to Leave from Park Chan Wook, oh. the famed director of Old Boy, um, a variety of other different massive awesome cool hits such as you know um what else was it? it was like thirsty the handmaiden stoker yeah but decision to leave was something that i watched last year and it was such a pleasure i had no clue what it was i just randomly saw it one day on youtube it was literally just um I saw a trailer for it, and underneath it was written, a detective investigating a man's death in the mountains meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dogged sleuthing. So basically, he's just trying to pursue the answers to the story, but he meets the now widower of the man who's just been, uh, in essence, just uh, who's just died. And like, it's really interesting watching the story kind of unwrap and unfold itself. Like, I was 
absolutely enthralled by the trailer. I think I may have dropped it in a while ago. I'm going to try and find it now just for us to watch very briefly. But like, yeah, like it just absolutely stunned me and floored me. And I thought to myself, this is something that I need to see, that I need to experience. I've been wanting to see more films from around the world anyway. And of course, you know, like who better than uh, than Park Chan Wook? So I was like, all right, let's go and see it. So I took my girlfriend to see it and we watched it back in October time, I think just after, I think the day it came out, like October 21st in, in England, um, where I am, yeah, just uh, I we, we went over to the cinemas and just got lots of popcorn, went out to eat, and then just went and just saw it, and it was a beautiful, beautiful movie. This is something that I, I'm just so happy that I got the chance to watch it, that I got to see this this uh, story so again so measured, so fully formed, so so interesting, just in terms of its just devastating notes, just how it is that it's quite not just like sad per se. But like it, it brings in notes of like longing and like loneliness, but also like the idea of you know possibly being like vulnerable, like what that could mean to someone else, what that can even mean to you. Like it, it's just so so intriguing, and like it even has again like notes of like romance. It has notes of obviously you know like crime, <laughs> crime drama, lots of different things regarding um, mystery. But I just want to give a massive shout out to um, to Tangway. And um, Hale Park as well for their just like mass, mass, mass um, involvement and like great works and just like wonderful portrayals of like the main two characters, Song Xiaorei and Detective Zhang Heijun. And just like they did, um, they, they just did so many different things. I use the word mass because like, they portray so many different forms and sides of like human beings. Like they, mm. they do things that that shock you, they do things that scare you, they do things that anger you, that make you feel happy. Like, they, there's just so much going on in this story it's just it's twisted it's like it's full of like thrills and it's also just quite obviously to me a story about like obsession from like two different sides as well about like one person's obsession for someone that they know that they can't have and one person's obsession for someone that they want despite also knowing that like they can't have someone but wanted to go past that and just like it's just really really cool i've, I've seen this film like once but i want to watch it more and more times but yeah, I think that there are just so many different beautiful parts of the film. I'm not even going to get too much into like the visuals just because obviously I'll end up talking for hours and hours, but like <laughs> it's just so it this is so beautiful. The shot composition is amazing. There are even some like comedic notes with respect to how it is that some characters are portrayed too. But also just I'm going to put in some of the um images here. But like there are so many beautiful beautiful screenshots and beautiful different bits of like set dressing and scenery like colors utilized there's obviously a lot of like peach blue red gray in there that also mean different things throughout the movie too but yeah i highly highly recommend that everybody check out decision to leave from park tramwalk it is worth your time it's another one of these again one of the great films to come out of South Korea. They've, they've, they've been doing something so astonishing to me, but in many ways, not even astonishing, you know? It's it's the whole, if you decide to go and check out, you know, movies with subtitles and just branch out just a little bit, you'll find treasure troves of brilliant and beautiful media out there. And like, this is just one of those pieces. This is one of those films. This is one of those experiences that I'm just, again, so glad that I've been able to have. And I'm just really, really happy that I could share it with other people. So yeah, decision to leave, well worth your time. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I, Park Chan-wook is just, he's one of those directors where he makes a movie, I'll watch it. No questions asked. I will watch every single one of his movies because it, it, it's sure to be like a compelling time. So another one where even, even just looking at the 
the trailers and the images again is very controlled. I I've, I've become to appreciate that quite a bit more about cinema now. Controlled me and like when you talk about like colors, it's not just color graded. <laughs> like it 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 reminds you more of like um the way that someone like Wes Anderson controls color, where like placement and texture and how the how the, the the color comes into focus is all very very intentional um mm. and it, and you can feel it and like and even watching it in motion like watching the trailer you can feel how how clear the shot composition is like it's not um absolutely i don't know how to describe it. like i feel like a lot of more modern movies especially shows nowadays it, they, they don't feel that the the filmmaker has as much control like it almost feels like the what what you're seeing in the shot is incidental um whereas films like like this without having seen it they look like it just looks like the, the the filmmaker has such such clear control over what he's trying to do and um, is able to influence the way that it feels and the style of it. Like it feels stylistic to me without it being it's not doing anything over the top to be stylistic, if that makes sense. Um, so anyway, I'm yeah. going to get going to give it a watch mm. as, as well. But like it, it's well worth it. This this all of these things deserve their own episode, but I would just I would dive headfirst into one of these uh, into an episode like this. Just there there's so many small like little idiosyncrasies as well. Like just having watched it, obviously just like looking back at certain scenes now as I'm scrolling through things, like just they really sort of it, it's it's an interesting thing to watch a film say multiple different things at once after you've seen it. Just to have mm. the film sort of like tell you and show you, oh, this is what we actually meant like by this shot here, or this is what the character could have been going through now that you've seen the rest of it think about it this way like and obviously well adam isn't that just the nature of like having seen something and then thinking about it again like well yeah but also like there are just so many very specific i can't get into spoiler but there's so many very specific decisions that were made with respect to shot composition and like color utilization and even just again like you mentioned color grading but like there's so many areas of this where the saturation regarding like certain characters is brought like up but like you'll see it and you won't notice anything like by you won't see what they're trying to like say with it until you know you sort of know a little bit more later and then you'll instantly the character will be pardon the pun but colored in a different way to you you'll see them in a whole mm. different like light and it's just a really intriguing thing and also again i mentioned this before but there's a there's a specific like a type of like romance that exists like within here and I think that that is spoken about so so with such a, a caring touch, with such a, a, a finesse of sorts that that isn't like hammered into your eyes and into your mind, but like it's mm. just delicate. You know, it's delicate. It's measured. It's controlled. It's it's composed in a way that allows for you to experience these feelings and these emotions in such heartfelt senses. I felt genuinely sad watching this. Like I almost cried at the end. Like lots of different bits and pieces of this really. They they'll touch you in in some really just quite hard-hitting yet delicate and soft ways. It sounds quite obviously, you know, oxymoronic, but yeah, this is this is a film that that definitely stunned me and grabbed me just as the trailer did. So if if you want to just check it out at the very least, if you don't want to, if if you if you don't want to kind of like jump or dive right in as I've asked or said to do, you can check out the decision to leave official trailer. That's uh on YouTube. If you just type in just decision to leave, uh, D E C I S I O N, just T O, then just leave L E A V E. Just decide, just type that. In, you'll find the official trailer from like movie mubi uh yeah like you will most likely if you like this podcast you will enjoy this uh this this film i think that's well worth you know it. what i i'm gonna sign up for a movie like right after this podcast just to watch yeah. this 
please yeah. do please do like let me know like as soon as you finish like yeah. it's it's incredible it's incredible yeah yeah uh, your your description i'm i'm so excited i i love those subtle movies that just kind of end up hitting you like so hard with their subtlety Absolutely. you know like i i <laughs> like you said it sounds like an oxymoron but oh my gosh it, it's it's so exciting when you come across a work like that yeah. uh yeah and if and if you love like shot composition like this film is like 10 out of 10 out of 10 like you will yeah for for people who are for example one of my uh, best friend Charlotte Tristy and he went to university for television and film and he often talks about like shot composition and just like how different things are shot from like music videos to tv shows to films just all sorts of stuff but like he picks things apart like I have a feeling that he would like this like I have a feeling that if you've got like an analytical mind about like cinematic media like you will enjoy watching like this like it's not I'm not someone who's like oh do you know it won this award for like a reason or whatever but like this mm-hmm. did like a big sweep but like different like awards uh shows and like different sort of like film festival like shows and stuff like that like it it, it did like really really well it even won like the academy award for best international feature film obviously and like it's done it's, it's done it's done a lot in that regard but i just think just generally from me to you listener just just watch it i think that you will really really enjoy it yeah big treat big time treat well worth your time awesome well, so let me take us in such a different direction that it's crazy. But I figured right, we, can give people, we can give people whiplash here. Uh, so I wanted to mention something that was not really on my radar. Um, and I didn't expect to care about or like. And one of my friends convinced me to try it um, when it came out. And I actually was shocked by how much I liked it. Um, and I think it flew under the radar for a lot of people. It's also like... I feel like I'm leading up to it. Like, it's squarely, uh, in my mind, a triple-A game. No, sorry, a double-A game. I keep saying whatever. Okay. And it's by Saber Interactive, uh, which, by the way, has a lot of, like, ex-id people in their leadership, which I think a lot of people don't know. Oh, nice. Um, but this game is uh, Evil Dead the Game. <laughs> came out this year. What? Uh, it's uh, very similar in structure to, like, Dead by Daylight. It's an, it's an asymmetrical air quotes multiplayer although like i really haven't played with a lot of people i played it mostly like solo but it's just it's a really stupid fun game like it's it's like if you like the evil dead franchise there's a lot of love for evil dead and its characters uh in this game and so i i more wanted to bring it up because i i feel like it's gonna fly under the radar for a lot of people because it sounds pretty like generic when you think when you hear it when you're like oh it's like evil dead whatever they evil dead game zombie game whatever but um it's asymmetrical, meaning that like um, it's not like four versus four people or whatever. It, it's typically like there's a set of people like usually there are four characters usually that are playing basically good guys and bad guys. And when you're the bad guys, you're you're not always four players. Sometimes you're a more powerful demon. Um, like they have like the the warlord and the puppeteer and the necromancer and whatnot. But like it, it's a it's got like a really like weird 80s vibe and they have a lot of they've pulled in a lot of content across the Evil Dead franchise. So like there's the the ones from the medieval time from um, like so they have like Bruce Campbell. Um, they have like Kelly Maxwell and like Ray Santiago in it. So like they're from different areas of the Evil Dead franchise, but like it shouldn't work as well as it does. I, I don't know how to describe it otherwise. Um, hmm. And it's just like a lot of the. A lot of the it's it's like almost campy, 
but it's it takes oh, itself it's seriously. Evil dead. It's gotta be campy, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it, it really strikes that balance of like not taking itself too seriously, but taking itself seriously. Um, uh, you, you need that sincere presentation, though, right? Like, like, like. I mean, that, that's Bruce Campbell in a nutshell, right? Like, he he hams it up so much, but I don't know. Like, he, he's still like in that world, right? He doesn't take you out of the movie. He gets you more into the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I wouldn't even say that I'm like the biggest like Evil Dead fan, uh, even myself. But there's there's something about this game that's like weirdly endearing and. Uh, it's just, it's a fun time. Um, like I said, it, it is very PVP focused, but, um, right. you can definitely play it alone. It's got, it doesn't have like a, a, a campaign per se, uh, but it, it does have a lot of single player modes that work really well. And, uh, uh, it definitely, it has like a lot of bundles. Um, oh, it's one of those ones where I, I've seen it a couple times, like on, on game pass or it's free on Epic or whatever. So, um, and they have, like I said, it, there's clearly like a lot of love for the franchise that went into it. It, it you know, it, it isn't just that like they're all making an Evil Dead game, but you know, they have like a Army of Darkness uh, section. They have like a Hail to the King one. So like, if you're a fan of Evil Dead, you'll really enjoy it. I feel like they're. I don't remember seeing it, but I remember their their tagline is even something along the lines of like, "Yeah, kill people, but groovy" or something. Like it's, <laughs> it's it hits the hits the right tones. It's like it's just a surprisingly well done game. Um, so you mentioned that like it works better than it should. Like, can can you give an example of that? Like, is there something about it that might seem like a flaw, but like actually it's endearing? Like you said. Yeah. So I it's it's like I said it's got it's got a very similar structure to games like Dead by Daylight. Um, the reason I say it works better than it should is because I think when you think about typically combining a variety of different franchise entries into one game that's the part that i feel like shouldn't work like how do you combine the medieval characters in with like the 80s like cheesy characters in the same way um and i I think it's because they really invest in how fun the attacks are and the characters all get different abilities that are really game-changing and fun um so i i think other games i think what they i think a, a lesser studio or a studio that cared cared less for lack of a better term um might have just reskinned the characters but they all actually feel like different characters like bruce campbell you you feel like a bruce campbell character like it feel like it, i don't know if it, it's kind of like it, in a way like they they hit a lot of the elements of a fighting game where the, the characters feel different hmm. um and they feel and there's there's a lot to revel in like the the attacks and the animations and the abilities are all like they're all good fun, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, like they're not like it's not a, it's a horror game, but it's not stressful. And I think that's that's kind of like what I right. what I liked about um, you know what what's the and I, I'm blanking right now. What's the the um the Capcom game where you kill zombies? Oh oh, uh, Dead Rising. Yeah, Dead Rising. So it's, it's it's got kind of an element of like Dead Rising where it's not um, it's it's. It, you're not stressed out, really, even though you probably. There's an arcade like, element to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to say it. It's very arcadey because, like, like when I mm. like I said, the game structure is very similar to Dead by Daylight, except I find that game stressful as hell. <laughs> like, I I don't know if I really like playing Dead by Daylight. Um, and like I said, a lot, a lot, like if you were to look at them on paper, the games have a very similar similar like asymmetrical multiplayer structure. Four player co op like uh, tends to be. Um, characters have like abilities and you, you work together and whatever. But um, 
there's there's just something uh, about this that, and maybe it's just like part of the fun of reveling and like playing like an army of darkness map and killing stuff really just like cool and over the top and and fun and uh, the way that they treat like you know blood and gore of course is very violent but it's cheesy it's very authentic to evil dead so um like i said i, I was it was not on my radar at all for this year i don't think i would have seen it had it not been recommended to me um and i also remember they announced it um like a long time ago like they announced it in like 2020 and i think that's part of why it flew on everyone's yeah. radar is because like it it got i think it got delayed as well i don't, I don't know if that was intentional but i believe it was um yeah so just wanted to nice. call everyone's attention to it as kind of a and I think it still flew under the radar. I think a lot of people don't know this game came out. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing about it like uh, like over two years ago. Yeah. Just and and I, I would say if you want to look at like a, a, a version of this that was done poorly, there's also like a Friday the 13th the game. And I think that's a way to that, that's an example of what this could have been like if they if you didn't have a developer that cared about the source material. Um mm -hmm. And, and I don't know, just like understood that they were making a fun game. <laughs> sounds sounds so, yeah. so goofy to say, but um, yeah. And this is also one of those ones where the reason I, I say it's like, uh, even though there's a lot of leadership at the studio that's uh, from, you know, ex-id and stuff like that, I would call them double A because like Saber um, Interactive is mostly known for doing ports of stuff. They're kind of like Iron Galaxy where like, uh, most of most of the work that like you've probably played games they've made, but um, not games that they've created on their own. Um, so like they've done ports of like The Witcher Three and like Kingdom Come Deliverance, but like ports to like the Switch and stuff like that. Or I think they were they were working on like um, the port of like Halo. And I mean you, you gotta get the idea. I just wanted people to be aware that like uh, I I feel like they also as a developer fly under the radar because they so much of their work is, is porting and stuff like that. And they're, they're, they're not like a small studio, but they're, they're more like a conglomeration of 15 or 20 different studios. But they, this is also a, a developer that like, I kind of want to see do well because they're very, they're very common in absorbing small, like regional studios. And then like not, and then kind of giving them projects that are, are appropriate, if that makes sense. Like, um, what that what I mean by that is like the they'll you know acquire a studio that's in like Denver and then they'll acquire one that's in like Budapest and then one that's in uh, Portugal and stuff like that and then unlike say like an Activision where where Activision acquires studios and they're just like hey everybody works on Call of Duty now um, Saber is actually quite good at like kind of matching the skill set to the studio so I don't remember off the top of my head how many studios they own but it's like fifteen or twenty. Um, within interactive but then they all work on like different little things and like uh fun fact R richmond uh they actually even uh have a studio in roswell in georgia near where we oh play. nice uh tripwire yeah. tripwire interactive is there oh, okay i i met one of uh, the dudes at uh back when we were in the the game developers association and stuff like that uh, uh, so that means that, that Georgia Peach is in the, the game credits, right? Uh, I don't oh. know if I don't think Tripwire worked on Evil Dead, but they're they're part of Saber. Uh, okay. okay. Um, Can I just say as well that Georgia Peach is in like every single TV show because everybody shoots everything <laughs> in Georgia. Like it's just crazy. It's like yeah. why do I, aside from being the Amaribu that I am, know this much about Georgia? Like why? Like it's everywhere. It's it's absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I, a, that's so a... funny that you're aware of that because yeah, like Sean is from Georgia. Yeah. Like I lived there. I, I know all we're, we're like 
Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I, I will, uh, a random aside about that just for, for everyone. I mean, there is a good reason for that, right? Um, Georgia basically decided that they wanted to be a place where films and video games were made. Yep. And obviously like Turner's based there, like Cartoon Network and Adult Swim mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But um, it, it is because they offer a frankly like stupid staggering tax break to an- entertainment companies there. Um, I, if I remember correctly from like the time we worked there, I don't know if this is still the same, but they offer crazy stuff like you can defer all of your payroll taxes uh, and you get like a massive tax credit toward them. So like they almost pay you to film in Georgia. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yep. that's and that's the reason why. Why? Oh, I mean, the Walking Dead series, like even in its comic form, takes place in Georgia. But um, that's why you'll you'll see it. And part of the requirement of getting the massive tax breaks is to port put the Georgia peach logo prominently yeah. in your credits or um, in your intro. And the more prominently you put it, the more tax breaks they will give you or more, um, more like just straight funding. So like I, I, Georgia just decided that they wanted to be a film capital and they wanted decided they were going to spend billions of dollars on it and it worked. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. They made it happen. Yeah. Literally like a big part of my knowledge of this, it just like, it comes up at like, the end of every single show. Obviously you just see like explore Georgia mm-hmm. or Georgia dogs slash film or Hey, look something else about like Georgia. But like, this was a big thing in all of like, the CW shows, especially like vampire diaries. I used to like, like a lot. I used to really be obsessed mm-hmm. watching that show. And like, you'd always, 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 always see the Georgia peach like at the end of like the show, but just like this, <laughs> I just know, I know like what, like that, uh, logo just like isn't about obviously all of what you just said, but wow. yeah, it's just it's something it that works. you just see everywhere. It, oh yeah, hundred percent, yeah. it worked. Yeah, all, all the way across the pond. You you were just like, hey, like what is this thing that keeps popping up? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I will add that I think they were also successful because um, alternatively, it was like, oh, you're either filming in like you know Los Angeles, Hollywood, or New York, and Georgia is just way cheaper. So like, even though Georgia was also like putting a lot of tax breaks in there, it's just from a production perspective. Uh, I'm filming a thing or I'm making, I'm setting up a studio and I'm going to be able to like defer all my payroll taxes and get like a bunch of, bunch of tax refunds and breaks. And the cost of living and the cost of property is like 50%, like it's half of what it's going to cost in Los Angeles or in New York or whatever. So like it, it kind of makes a lot of sense when you put everything together that like, it's a very business positive place to do entertainment work. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think they really cashed in as much on the game industry as they wanted to. Um, yeah. But I, I think that that really has like, – their focus was always on film, but I still think it's an interesting aside. I, I think that Walking Dead is probably one of the more prominent ones that most people are familiar with where they have the the, the L. Jordan uh, Peach logo. It'll be like Hawkins Middle School from like Stranger Things fans as well, like stuff like that. Like yep. Mystic mm-hmm. Falls, Virginia, obviously, is, obviously it's filmed back there actually in like uh, Georgia and stuff. Like it, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, I don't know, like you, you think of TV shows as being uh, like these places in like some other area of the world, but like no, like these, these are shot in like namely very similar or slash the same place you know like, it's just something that a lot of people kind of might not think about per se when you're watching it but like yeah like there will there'll be lots of different spots where like they won't use the exact exact same spot but like yeah it'll be quite it's quite an interesting thing to think about as someone watching a, a show yeah mm-hmm. oh, i worked knowing the studio we're talking about that that is in georgia where we used to be uh tripwire they did like uh, Killing Floor, um, Red Orchestra, and then most recently Maneater, the the, uh, the shark game, mm. <laughs> the one where you're mm. a killer shark. 
<laughs> which Tell I think off. actually did get pretty good reviews. I just didn't have much interest in being a killer shark, but um, that, oh, came, yeah, out, that, that came out in cool 2020, game. though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they're all the, they're the, part the, of Saber Interactive, yeah. <clears throat> okay. The Warframe developer was out in Georgia, Georgia too, right? In, in El yeah, Ferrata? Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, were. They were like our neighbors <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, yeah and so was uh, High res which does uh, principally well-known for um, Smite. They're also in, in uh, they're right on the street mm. from us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so. All right. So, so anyway, go play Evil Dead, uh, the game. I would say r- real quick for people, keep an eye out on, it's not free right now on Epic Games, but I've seen it go free like three times. So if you are not interested in paying for it, there's a couple ways to get it for free, cause it, but it's definitely a worthwhile game to, again, you're not, you're not going to get like a mind blowing story or anything like that. But if you like Evil Dead, you're going to like this game. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's an easy sell. <laughs> All right. Should we do one more? Or I, I'm, I'm getting the feeling we could probably do like a whole other podcast. We could. We could. I, I want to do one more. I want to do one more. Can I hop in real okay. quick and just do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have to talk about it. I was going to – I'll mention the things. I was going to mention Severance. I'm not going to do that. It was a good show. Really cool. We'll talk about it another time. I was going to mention Mob Psycho 100. It's a good show. We can talk about that another time. Mm, We're going to talk about yeah. Pokemon Violet. It's a good game. Oh, sorry. It's a good idea of a game, I think. I tricked myself to some. But yeah, but what I am going to talk about is Chainsaw Man. I have to do it. Ah, yes. Yes. I, I have to. It must occur. Yes. It must occur. Yeah. So, Chainsaw Man, the anime for this show, came out this well, this last year, so in 2022, finally, it was broadcast. I'm pretty sorry, it was produced by Mappa. It was broadcast from October to December of 2022. Chainsaw Man is one of the most intriguing action comedy horror sort of like dark fantasy in some areas like manga and like just IPs that I've seen in a very very long time. It's something that has sort of like shocked a lot of people, but in many ways, kind of like it's not massively shocking just because if you read things like fire punch if you know about tatsuki fujimoto and who and how he likes to write like it's not that far of a field for, far from his sort of like field of like expertise but like as someone who know as someone who you know once they did not know anything about him like it's just such a mind-blowing thing to watch so let's 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 talk about it a little bit so first of all just to sort of mention what is chainsaw man where is it set like we're, we're doing this finally we've talked about it a lot i'm just gonna just jump right into it all right yeah so chainsaw man is a story set in a world where devils are born from human fears basically so in essence for example fear of like the dark fear of spiders fear of water like all different types of just you know quite base level human fears to fears to fears that are quite like you know um uh, unique and idiosyncratic. But anyway, like, so devils are usually quite dangerous and malevolent, but their power is normally proportional to the fear itself that they incite. So, for example, if you can just think now, listen to yourself, how many people do you know that are afraid of, like, the dark? You know? How many people mm. are afraid of death? How many people are afraid of, like, spiders, just for example? Like, now imagine that on, like, a global scale. So, in essence, like, the strength or the power of, like, a devil is basically one-to-one related to the amount of people, in essence, that are afraid of it. How much that fear is like palpable in the world and like what it is that, that means to different people as well as like a sort of you know humans in general so you have things like you have things like death things like um you know like the dark all sorts of stuff but one of the most intriguing ones one of the most intriguing types of devil 
is uh, the gun devil. There is a gun devil in this world. And this devil, in essence, is able to utilize different abilities to wreak havoc upon different areas of the world. Now, rewinding a bit, humans can form contracts with different devils and use their powers, or they can, in essence, like make sort of like side kind of deals with multiple devils at once like there are certain different areas as to how that relates with different people but there are people or specific individuals who specialize in hunting and employing devils called devil hunters basically and devils they come from hell but they exist in a cycle between earth and hell where they sort of like migrate to earth whilst killed in hell and then vice versa when they're killed on earth they go back to hell but yeah like there are lots of different types of devil and in this world this, there's this person, there's this young boy called Danji, who has like absolutely nothing. He has nothing to sort of like show for, I guess, like the age that he's at in his life. But also, in essence, like he's just been through a variety of different, very tough situations, very hard situations where at one stage, even like he can't even afford anything to eat. So he just eats like, just say like old bread and stuff. But what's quite interesting about this is the fact that like this impoverished young man, he makes a contract with a devil called Pochita. It's a dog like devil. This dog looks like a chainsaw. It is, in essence, a chainsaw dog-like devil. And it grants him the ability to transform parts of his body into chainsaws. Now, everything that I've mentioned here, this sounds like it'd be quite like an action-focused, sort of like blood and guts, like cutting people in half, like, oh, a lot of stuff about like devils and contracts. Like, that sounds like it would be quite like a, like a violent story. And it is. But one of the most intriguing parts of this story is that Denji, in and of himself, he doesn't fight like a main singular antagonist per se. He fights within himself. He fights different areas of like socialization. He fights different societal norms. He fights different areas that he himself has never had the the sort of normal or lax enough life to be able to deal with. He fights with like the idea of like having crushes. He fights with the idea of like finding goals and like actualizing them. And like what does that mean to him? Like this story, in for in my opinion, is a story about what it means to be a person, a young person growing up in a world that's ever-changing around you, growing up and experiencing things for the first time and what it means to somebody in that, like, they can, in essence, not just focus on fighting quite tangible or physical concepts, but more so, funnily enough, like, they fight the concepts that exist, like, within themselves, various to cer- uh, surrounded by certain various situations. So, for example, like, again, learning to understand, like, social norms, learning to, to understand about what crushes are and how they affect us, learning to understand about the concept of, you know, being lonely and then, like, having friends and then having the possibility of friends being taken away. All of these different things come into focus in Chainsaw Man, and I think it's one of the best um, things that I've ever read. Like, as of 2023, the manga's had all, over 23 million copies in circulation. It's one of the best-selling manga series just ever. It's just, it's one of the most intriguing shows that I've ever seen. And I'm talking about it as a show because the manga itself was adapted into a TV show, into an anime TV show by MAPPA, obviously the well-known anime production like company. But yeah, like... I, I just want to just I want to just put that out there. I've talked about Chainsaw Man with Richmond and with with Sean with all these guys forever, but I just had to say this. I just had to like Chainsaw Man as an anime. It's fantastic. It's amazing. It's beautiful. People need to watch it. But, yeah. Oh, that that was beautifully put. I know. I know. We've talked so many times about like, oh, we should do the Chainsaw Man. I had podcast. to do it. And, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> you had to. You had to. Got to let the people know. But we we definitely got to do a whole episode about it. But um, 100%. yeah, we've already got like amazing. three whole episodes from this episode that we have to go do now. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although this one, yeah. this one was not from this episode. We've been talking about this, I think. Yeah. For a while, yeah. But go on, Richmond. 
Oh, just um, that—that's another show that's been on on my radar. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's on Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in yeah, yeah. I actually signed up for an Amazon account just to watch it. I haven't gotten around to watching it yet, though. But I, I, I read the comic. I, I love it. It, it. I feel similarly excited about it as you know when when I was talking about like ranking of kings before, like Chainsaw Man's. Oh my gosh, just one of my favorite stories. Like period. Like it, comic is amazing, and then everything I've seen of the show is like it looks unbelievably good. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen clips, and I'm like, I cannot believe this is a TV show. Like if this was a movie, it would be impressive. If it was, if, if it was like a high budget, ninety minute movie, it'd be like this is amazing. So I I don't know how they do that week after week. Like everything just looks great. Absolutely incredible. Like one of my favorite things about it is um it, it's the introduction, the, the intro for the show, and like whoa my gosh, it is so so full of references from different films, of different TV shows. Tatsuki Fujimoto is someone who has a, a specific reverence for just film and television, like media and games media. Yeah. He's an incredible manga artist. He's quite literally one of, in my opinion, like he's one of like the greatest to, to, to at least like, do it of like a sort of like younger generation like i believe oh I for think sure he, yeah I, I think he's like 29 or 30 years old but like he's one of the leading voices of like so sort of like my age group kind of i think that he's mm-hmm. a he's a, he's one of the people who is quite um unafraid i would say unafraid of being able to show exactly what it is that they feel what it is that they mean when they're trying to make something i think that it's quite intriguing to watch something like chainsaw man and like not also be able to pick on the instant you know class dichotomies of it to not be able to pick on some of the more socio-political aspects of what some characters are what they mean you know to be who they are what they do like the nature of making the contracts with devils you know what does that entail what does that mean like all these different things like i just think that it's a show with so many different meanings behind it that it requires not just multiple watches, but like the manga itself requires some very like deep reading. I think that it's something that can be jumped into, obviously on quite a surface level and enjoyed for sure, but there's just a oh, yeah. wealth, a true treasure trove of just emotion and information and the idea the idea of exploring ideas is something that like Chainsaw Man is like perfect for. Like it's one of these, you know, shows and, and things that just like it excites you it's it's that excites me it allows for me to really feel quite like amped up whenever i'm watching or just thinking about it just some of the ways and reveals that characters are shown through for example like there's a character in it called makama people may have heard of her she's one of the sort of more more slash most popular anime characters last year in that like lots of people have crushes on her but like even just in in and of itself, like, that is, like, a part of, like, the story, you know, that people could find yeah. like, a character attractive and like them. Like, that means something within the wider dichotomy, within the wider story of Chainsaw Man itself. And I think that that's, that, that, that's really intriguing. It's really quite something. I think that it's just something that's so worth everyone's time. I'll say that again, just because I think it's true. I think that it's really, really well put together. The first sort of, like, overall wider arc of it has been completed so for example there's sort of like a part one of Chainsaw Man I think I did I think that did that conclude last year or the year before I think it concluded last year but yeah like it basically ended and like it had a really 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 cool run and yeah yeah it just took it took a little bit of time before the next part we're in current part two of Chainsaw Man now where like it's focused on a bit of like a time skip so to speak that's all I'll say but yeah like I just think that it's really really just worth 
it's just worth everyone's time. There's an, there's an introduction, at least. I'm not sure if Richmond or Sean, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that intro, at least. But, yeah, like, it's a... Uh, it's fantastic. It's one of the best introductions that I've seen for. Oh, it's a beautiful intro, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've I've seen, seen the that. Intro. It's really impressive. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like that, like, it's full of movie references, but it's not just for the sake of it. it it's it's really relevant. Like you said, the, the, the author loves movies, and that actually shows up in, in all of his work. Uh, he's done mm-hmm. so, so many works about that. And from what I've heard about the show, like, um, it just has a really cinematic quality to it. And, and it's not just trying to ape live action. It's more like, no, it just, it feels real. Like a friend of mine, uh, uh, Darius, I was just talking to him uh, two days ago. He was like, you know, like it, the show's so beautiful and it's not just the fights. It's like someone will get up and, and put on a shirt and it's just something you don't ever see animated, but they'll take the time to do it. Uh, even though it's just like this quick thing, but it's, so beautifully animated and it's just like it just immerses you in the world that much more absolutely like there are some parts of it for example where like as you mentioned there someone puts on like a shirt but like honestly like there's there are moments where someone just makes breakfast there's some other there are moments where someone there's Mm. a moment where someone's laying in bed and like a lady goes down next to that person to sleep and you see that action from her perspective and like I've never seen that in a show before. Like, I've never seen, like, I've never seen through the eyes of a person, like, moving in that specific way. And, like, it's just yeah. so well done. It's so well done. Yeah. Like, I've obviously, you know, we've all, you know, have you gone to bed before? Like, yeah, of course. But just, like, you wouldn't think <laughs> to watch that like, in a show before. You wouldn't think yeah. to watch that in a show. You wouldn't think that that would be something that someone would do. Or that You wouldn't think that, you know, somebody would be like, all right, so we're going to map like that out. All right, okay, so what are you doing? What are you working on in your stand-up meeting? Oh, well, we're all working on, like, the scene of a person who's, like, going to bed. And it's just, like, you wouldn't think <laughs> that that would be interesting or amazing. But, like, yeah. it is. It's so well put together. Just awesome. Yeah. And let me tell you, that stuff is um, just as hard to animate as like action, because if you get yeah. anything wrong, that's it. mundane things. Like everyone knows what they're supposed to look like. Mm. And, you know, like if you get it wrong, people Absolutely. will see right away. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, okay. I, 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 yeah, I got to, I got to watch decision to leave and I'm, I'm going to start watching Chainsaw Man this week too. I, yeah. I already signed up for yeah. it. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, got it. Do it and let let, let the people know. You got, I'm expecting the, the, the big Richmond thread, the, the classic. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that'll be that'll be awesome. But yeah, just everyone yeah. out there, just like I genuinely want to say, like, of the things that came out last year, there's so many, so so many beautiful things. But like just go back and throw out your own things that you really enjoy and you know just maybe watch them again maybe tell a friend about them like there's so much beautiful media that came out last year 2022 mm. was a really intriguing time not just for like self-expression but for like the sort of something that i posted on instagram about like about death and about like rebirth in essence like i think that last year was sort of to close this out even last year was a year of things ending last year was a year of things yeah. being closed last year was a year of finality for me i think that 2023 was is going to be like a year of, of rebirth of change of, of newness i think or of the opportunity being presented to you you know like of, of things which you should go for which you might not have thought that you should have gone for last year i think that you know in many ways so many things came to a close last year from from everything from different manga and different shows so even like large things like you know pokemon like in a sense like that our time with ash and pokemon that that's come to like a close like a long-standing thing like you know like lots of different things from last year that they will change but i think that this year 
very specifically, it's a time to like reflect, especially in this January period, in this early hazy, you know, start of the year, but also just in general, like think about the things that you enjoy and like dive into them, like have a fun time, make sure that you're able to actively feed yourself the media that you love and care about. Like life is short, things change all of the time, nothing is permanent or promised, but at the very same time, you can at the start of each day promise yourself to try and like learn something new or to try and do something that will enrich like your soul and your mind and your your creative spirit, so to speak. We're here at the Art Eater Podcast because we don't just necessarily look at art, you know, we eat it, we, we, we digest it, <laughs> we think about it, and in essence, we are nourished by it, and I think that's something which a lot of people should seek to do more so this year. Last year was hard, last year was full of a lot of different trials and tribulations for everybody the remnants of tougher decisions from prior years from different all sorts of different like areas be it trauma be it hardship be it strife be it struggle but i genuinely hope that everybody can be infused by this podcast can be like brought to a place of not just happiness but inquisitive nature but to be feeling included to be feeling you know inspired to be feeling in in many ways even just like you know like enthralled you know like trying to get like that creative blood pumping not just throughout the brain but throughout the body you know like that's just something that i just wanted to get out there just thinking about all these things like thinking of all these favorite really cool things there's many more that i want to say but we're running out of time but so many yeah i i I just think that it's really really cool time to sort of like look at the freshness of this year and then think about what it is that we truly seek to sort of do with it and what it is that we seek to learn from and with respect to last year how we learned as well so yeah just think about your favorite things too check out decision to leave check out chainsaw man check out evil Dead. check out all the things which we've mentioned here and really and truly just find what it is that you love and have that for next year for us yeah yeah oh beautifully put yeah all right let's let's uh, wrap things up so um this was a fun one uh, once again i thought like oh you know i i, I don't know if we'll like uh, have that much stuff to talk about like I, you know i didn't i didn't do like that much research ahead of time and then now we're like oh we, we can do like two or three more of these probably <laughs> yeah we probably right. should especially when thomas and james can be on Absolutely. yeah yeah we'll yeah. Do a read yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah we'll bring them back for part two we got to hear what their uh, favorite things are Mm. Okay, so everyone, um, yeah, thank you, dear listener, for for making it all the way to the end here. Um, yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you want to keep track of when the new ones go out, follow us at Art Eater Podcast. That's A R T E A T E R Podcast. Um, and you know, just shoot us a line, like like Adam said. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what some of your favorite things were from uh, 2022. And uh, yeah, I'm your host, Richmond. Um, if you want to you know, see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Richmond Lee. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D underscore L-E-E. Um, I'm, I'm on there all the time, although I've, I've, I've actually been successful at staying off. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not on there all day uh, as much this year. Not online these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to, to um, what you said just really spoke to my soul. Like I've I've been trying to make more time for just watching things. You know, instead of like commenting on them, like just oh, like I, I, I sometimes I just want to sit back, watch things, nourish myself, um, talk about it with my friends. You know, before I, I try to like uh, comment. You know, I, I just it's it's so important to give yourself time to properly digest and enjoy things. Let it be a part of you. You know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, 2023 is all about that for me, man. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So uh, everyone, let 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 the uh, listeners know how um, you know what what you're up to. How to how to how people can keep up with you. Yep. Uh, I'm Sean. You can follow me on Twitter at Dvorsk, D-A-B-O-R-S-K. Um, I've still been doing a lot of mentoring on adplist.org, so find me on there. Um, it's free, free, free both directions for aspiring artists, product managers. If you're trying to, you know, a, a lot of a lot of uh, mentees I talk to are looking for portfolio reviews or help interviewing or trying to think about how to get into the game industry or trying to find what they want to do in their career. So, um, been doing a lot of that. So. Uh, check me out on there. If you follow me, I'm mostly going to talk about uh, PC gaming, <laughs> retreating with what a lot of these guys are, are saying. Uh, one thing I'll mention that is very close to done, I'll probably start talking about it more and more uh, as it's ready, is I've been writing a book, and it is nearly done. Uh, it will be coming out this year. Um, basically, like, putting finishing touches awesome. before it goes to, like, final editing, but, like, Covers done, manuscript is done, like acknowledgments and dedication, or all like all the little, little nonsense and whatever is done. We're just uh, literally like I don't know if we're quite dotting the i's and crossing the t's yet, but I'll be mentioning that it's about mobile design philosophy. So um, I don't know if it's exactly about games, but I, I'm still going to be. I'm very proud of it. So anyway, that I'll be. Wow, that's exciting putting that out and uh for for 2023 like i've actually been uh trying to do a lot more reading and i've actually been going a lot more to my local library which it turns out where i live fullerton has an awesome library um i actually have uh they also have like a really good comic section so i've been picking up a lot of comics that like i've just meant to read and i never quite did like so uh for instance i'm going i'm actually working through uh and I didn't do this on purpose. It's not like all about movies or whatever, but I am actually working through V for Vendetta and Snowpiercer right now. Um, they're the comic versions because um, I enjoyed the films. And as is tradition, uh, I'm as I'm about uh, halfway through both of them, I'm like, wow, these are way better than the film. That's <laughs> like, uh, um, often the case. Yeah. 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 And then I've uh, actually, one thing I just want to talk about, I just got. Um, uh, uh, Hideo Kojima's book, The Creative Gene, that I have not started yet, but I'm really excited oh, to read it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to read that, yeah. And um, so that's one of the things I'm trying to do more reading. And I really fell off the wagon with podcasts over the last year just because I've been working from home. And podcasts used to be more of like a, a thing I did when I was driving and disconnecting from work. So now I'm going to try to get back into it. And in a re related news outside of, obviously, you should listen to this podcast, but apparently, Hideo Kojima also has a really good podcast that I'm going to uh, give a listen to and uh, spend a bit more time just like listening to helpful podcast materials and whatnot. So that, that'll be something that I'm spending more time with uh, this year. And I think like lastly, I've, I've really had it on my list to do more like video stuff, especially for Art Eater. Like I watch a lot of video essays and I watch a lot of really good content uh, on YouTube. Like I watch it probably more than TV shows and I, Every time I'm like, oh, I want to do something like this, or I want to take art of your content and put it. So this is going to be the year we're going to have video content. Yes. Um, but right. uh, it's definitely okay. been like continuing to, <laughs> you know, burn a hole in my time or something where I haven't really actually done anything with it. So that's Absolutely. Me.
it, it's so strange, isn't it? Just, like, the way that we kind of finally decide, you know what? Like, this is the year. Like, it, it's quite cool, but I mean, like, honestly, like, what better a time to do it? I've been listening and looking online just recently with respect to a lot of creators who get their sort of starts in their you know, in the 30s or 40s or 50s sometimes. It's like, you know what? Like, it's never too late. Like, there is no too late. If you want to do the yeah. thing, give it your best shot, you know, like, plan a little bit and then just go for it. That's one thing that I've really been thinking about recently, but I really want to put into practice this year. And one place that you can see me do so is on Twitter. Like, hey, good segue. But yeah, like, I go by AJ <laughs> on Twitter. You can find me over there at AJ Mattis. It is your favorite game, level designer, pixel artist, and international taekwondo fighter. It was great to be here once again, and I always just love appearing on this podcast and being able to share how it is that I feel, what it is that I think, and what it is that I want to say. So yeah, uh, if you loved anything that I had to say here today, or if you are somebody who wants or needs any pixel art related work or help i'm active at the moment so please do get in touch over there on twitter that's me over there again at aj mattis that's a-j-m-a-t-t-i-s on twitter yeah if you liked anything that i did say as well just drop me a follow so you can hear some more yeah i had a great great time i love to also retweet and share all kinds of great projects that i see and if anybody has anything interesting or if anyone would like to per se just like let me know anything that they're working on or just let me know of any opportunities that would be super cool too but generally i'm out here i'm living life i'm having a good time yeah things are going very very well i feel very enthused and energized as i always do by this podcast quite full so to speak i suppose so yeah like that's uh that, that's a really good uh it's a really good way to end, a really good feeling. But yeah, hope that everyone's enjoyed this. Uh, we will be seeing you or he'll be hearing from us very, very soon again. We'll probably end up doing another remix slash redux of this same podcast topic. But if not, you'll still catch us on the airwaves. All right, I'll catch you all later. Stay safe. We love you. Happy 2023. Go, believe in yourself, believe in what it is that you want to do, and we'll catch you next time. See you later. Outro music, outro music, outro music. Bye. Take care. <laughs> Peace out.